Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast with Nick Cavins. All right, welcome in. This is the Greg Bedard Patriots Podcast. Brendan Glasheen filling in for Nick Cattles. And, of course, it's brought to you by betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to bet all of your favorite sports. Greg, what's going on? Thanks so much for having me. Brendan, welcome. Yeah, uh... Excited to have you aboard, uh, pinch hitting for Nick, who um, continues to be in the apparent. Uh, apparently, Sacramento is in the Bermuda Triangle now because uh, Nick drove out there and he's in some sort of vortex where, uh, yeah, I don't know. His availability's been uh, been a little bit in question this week. What, what does Belichick say? The best of, uh, best ability is availability. Nick's had a, a little rough go looking for houses living out of a hotel getting his feet wet in a new place so uh i appreciate you pinch hitting here you're a guy i've heard uh for a few years so i wanted to get you on board and uh so what what have you i've heard you a lot on sports hub what else you doing what's going on with you yeah i've i've been kind of all over the place sports hub is one of my many stops throughout the course of my (laughs) media career, but doing some play-by-play with the main Celtics of the G League, also the Connecticut Sun of the WNBA. I do some work at DraftKings during the week, so we have uh, plenty of, as you know, Greg, very uh, a lot of crossover, you know, DraftKings and the Mm -hmm. Sports Hub work together and uh, doing some stuff there as well, so uh, I keep busy. I keep busy, so that's, uh, it's good. Busy's good, of course, in these times especially, too, and you know, Mm -hmm. like you said, I mean, Bill Belichick can tell all of his players to plan early for the weather. I'm, I'm not sure you can plan for a vortex uh, in, in Cattle's case, right? So, exactly. exactly. Um, so hopefully uh, Nick's good. But here we are, wild card weekend approaching. The Patriots have the nightcap on Saturday. And, man, th- this team, considering where they were about a month ago in Buffalo, it's amazing that we're back in this spot. They're going to be in Buffalo again. Frigid weather. Some wind will be a factor. But you consider at the time in position to be the number one seed in the conference. They go now to the sixth seed, and now they're on on their way to Buffalo again. Where to start, Greg? Where do you start with this team Mm -hmm. heading into wildcard weekend? Yeah, uh, you know, Brendan, I'm uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I'll I'll start here. Um, You know, I think the position that this team had, look, they had earned it, okay? They dug themselves a hole. They dug out of it. Um, You know, it doesn't really matter really who they played or, or, you know, what, caliber it was they had put themselves in good position they had done that by steadily getting better they were executing better uh since the bye week it has been a completely different story 
this team at this point, Brennan, to be honest with you, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in this team. Um, from what I saw in this game and, you know, putting it together with the Colts game and the second Bills game, uh, I, I leave out the possibility that they could get run off the field in Buffalo. And I don't even think Buffalo is that much better than them. I mean, they're a little bit more talented, but, you know, all, things being equal, this being like a quote-unquote Patriots team, um, you know, I they're just – their level of execution and some of the selfishness that has gone on on this team, some of the flat-out stupidity with penalties uh, and just poor play, I don't know what team I'm watching. This is not a team that I'm used to observing. Uh, I'm a little bit off-kilter. I don't know what to expect out of this team, Brendan. They could easily get blown out on Saturday night, which I think would be a fitting end for this team considering how they've just – blown chance after chance in the last uh last month of the season they could also all of a sudden because it's the playoff and it's one and done they could all of a sudden come together and be that team again and win I, it, nothing would surprise me i can't tell you i it, this game is very hard to predict for me brennan and we'll get into uh you know our game pick i need to watch some more film on the bills we'll talk about it later in the week uh specifically about this matchup but where the state of the patriots right now yeah. To me, is just completely up and down. I don't know what to make of this team. There's a lot of selfishness going on on defense that we'll talk about, uh, which is probably the most surprising thing to me. And anything can happen. They Just like they earned the number one seed, they'd earn the number six seed right now. And so going there, I don't have a whole lot of confidence in Mac Jones in the cold, the, the frigid temperatures that are going to be there. You know, but we'll we'll see. Josh Allen could throw three interceptions like he did against the Falcons, and the Patriots could win. But as of right now, about this Patriots team, their starts have been horrendous. Right. I think some of the coaching is in question, and I think some of the buy-in on defense is in question. So to me, this is one big question mark of a team. So we'll certainly, in the first bit here, we'll look at just the the collective as what this season was, and then turn our attention, as Greg said, to Buffalo. You mentioned the slow starts. They are now one and six in games in which they've trailed after the first quarter. And you make a good point there about the game in Buffalo from earlier in the season. I use that as something to point to since this, the slide began. They've lost three or four to close the season. I have my doubts coaching-wise, and more so from a big-picture standpoint, the development of the quarterback and the development of, of finding ways to win in different ways, because at the time they beat Buffalo on the road and we credit bill Belichick and we credit Josh McDaniels for sticking mm -hmm. to a plan. And, and look, Bill's been, Bill's been, and you know, this for sure. Bill's got a ton of credit over the years for any singular game. He will do exactly what it takes to win that singular game. But did that, did that cause a rift in the development of the team as a whole to this point in the season? And you, you say it starts with coaching. What specifically do you mean by that? Well, I just think, and it's hard for me to really explain this, but let's just take this game for example. They come out on defense. Yep. The Dolphins go right down the field, just like they did in week one, and they get down into the red zone, and there's, you know, they're playing a very simple cover, and he, he bites on the inner route, and then he just forgets about Jalen Waddell in the corner of the end zone. And to me, that's just discipline. That's playing good football, and – the, at this point in the season, most Patriots teams don't make those mistakes, Brendan. Like that's right. just 
that's a very basic play. Kyle Van Noy doesn't get any, doesn't get a hand on Devonte Parker. He's able to go into, you know, and sort of distract. It's basically they're, they're putting two vertical routes, very short vertical routes. Cause they're, you know, in, they're in the red zone and they're trying to see who might bite and JC Jackson bites. It's, it's basic one-on-one stuff uh, for a cornerback, a Patriots cornerback. And to me, that just tells me that the coaching hasn't been hard enough. Like they're just, they're, they're just missing the simple things and that just shouldn't be happening. And then all of a sudden they come out on offense. They run twice. Mac Jones's first pass. He goes back to pass and Xavier Howard is in bail technique at the snap. He's yeah. in covers cover two, you know, coverage. And Mac Jones still misreads the play. You know, he really should have went to he basically what he's doing there. Uh, you know, Jacoby Myers is coming into the flat and they Dolphins telegraph what coverage they were in. It wasn't a grand disguise or anything like that. And basically Mac Jones is supposed to read Xavier Howard. If he stays in the flat, then Nelson Aguilar should be open going up a little bit deeper up the sideline. He does that. He stays in the flat. Mac doesn't throw it there. Fine. Then he, then he throws it to the wrong side of, of Jacoby Myers. That's just, to me, it's just, those are simple plays. That's not being ready to go. Falling behind 14-0 on the road to the Dolphins, basically with unforced errors. Brennan, to me, is just, it's unacceptable. Yes, the, the players deserve some of the blame, but to me, you know, the coaching, just not having them ready to go. And I'm not talking about rah, rah, what have you. Mm. Uh, those plays should be repped. It should be simple. They should execute. And And to me, the coaches are just not being hard enough on them at some point they've sort of let go a little bit and you know this team is suffering as a result so it feels like there are two different things here that are converging it's not only that from a principal standpoint and what you just talked about there with mac jones offensively but more specifically to the defense you feel as if the defense can't get that necessary key stop whether or not the team is down multiple scores or whether it's early in the game as we saw the other night or the other day in Miami. And then at the same time, and I know you've pointed this out before that you think something might be up with Matt Judon, but you're getting the sense that he's freelancing a bit. Now, can that be a combination of being hurt and just trying to get away with something because you're not as comfortable to stay in scheme? Or are, are we seeing a player that got a big contract in the off season? He's feeling himself a little bit because he's had a great year up until recent weeks. What, what's, what's, what's up with Judon? Yeah. Uh, well, let's, let's touch on the defense first. I mean, okay. it, I think anybody who's observed this team has seen that they have not been able to get the key stop. And it's been right. mostly at the end of games, you know, week one against Miami, uh, Damian Harris fumbles going in, you know, it happens. There's still three thirty-one left. What happens? Miami runs the clock out week three against New Orleans. Patriots make it 21, three, uh, 21, 13 with nine twenty-one left. What happens? The Saints go on a 75-yard drive that takes up almost seven minutes to, to win the game. You know, against Tampa, Patriots lead with 17-16 with 434 left. Defense allows a field goal drive. Dallas, Patriots lead 29-26 with 211 left. Right. They, they, they give up third and 25. They give up 24 yards on third and 25. TD and down the sideline. And, yep. Yeah. And give up the field goal to force overtime. All you need is one stop, finish out the game. They couldn't do it there against right. Indy. 
trail 20 to 17 with 221 left. They cut it, they cut it to three. You know what happens? 67 yard run, TD run by Jonathan Taylor. Buffalo, they claw back. It's 26 21 with 737 left. What happens? The Bills go on a 13 play, 75 yard TD drive that basically finishes off the game. A couple of fourth downs, too, in that drive. They can't get a stop. And then this game, same thing happens. 156. It's 27-24, third and eight for Tua, and what happens? Matthew Judon runs behind Tua, Tua sidesteps, run right through the hole that Matthew Judon was supposed to be in, picks up the first down, game's over. And now they're going to Buffalo as the six instead of going to Cincy as the five. Um, and that leads well, into Well, Judon. to be fair, so to, to your point, to your point, they, they have had more games like the ones you've talked about than what they did say against um, against Buffalo on the road, the, the windstorm game. They did get a stop yep. at the end there, right, on fourth down. And the other one I would probably point to on the schedule would be the Chargers game. But that's it. To your point, they've had more games like the ones you said than ones right. I just brought up. Yeah, and, and also let's throw in that the Texans game, the Patriots <laughs> offense ran out the clock on the Texans to finish right. that off because – you know, God forbid they turned it over to the defense. They probably would have given up a touchdown drive to Davis Mills. But uh, so, but to Matt Judon, um, this is a guy that after week one, the next 12 games, I think it was, he put up 12 and a half sacks. Um, it's in the in the last four games, and, and the Jaguars, he was out uh, largely. He didn't play all that much. So that it's almost like three plus games. But for him, uh, Zero sacks in down the stretch here. And what's more concerning to me, and it really showed up in the, the Bills game. I don't really remember that much about the Colts game. I'll have to go back and consult my notes. But in the Bills game, they asked him a lot to do, uh, you know, work against Dawson Knox. You know, either hit him coming off the line, being coverage in the flat, what have you. And it started in that game where all of a sudden Matthew Judon's like, He's not even close to the play, and he's he's over with Dawson Knox, and he's, like, tackling him to the ground. Like, you know, weird stuff is going on. Josh Allen was able to run, basically do whatever he wanted to in that game because guys like Matthew Judon were running by him and leaving him gaps. The rush was totally undisciplined. This game, that final third down, it happened in other times in this game too. It just – Matthew Judon, to me, looks like a player that's that's out to get his and only his. He's not concerned about uh, the scheme. He wants to, he's reverting back to whatever he did in Baltimore uh, and not, and this scheme cannot afford that. It can't, it, it, it is predicated on all 11 guys doing their job the right way. And, and I'll point to the 2011 Patriots defense. That defense was terrible, terrible personnel, you know, guys like Sterling Moore in the secondary Julian Edelman had to play slot against slot corner against Anquan Bolden, the AFC championship game. But that team also won a Super Bowl with a crap bag defense. Why? Because everybody did what they were supposed to do. They just that's all you have to do. And Judon, he is just he's running by the quarterback. He's, you know, he's not where he's supposed to be. He's not dropping in the coverage when he should. He's not touching uh tight ends or receivers coming out. He's just it looks like he's leaving guys out to dry on this team and it's just, it's not good enough. They need him to be better. And, and 
Brendan, I've asked people around the team about this and they, yeah. you know, just saying like, I kind of want to rip Matthew Judon this week. Should I stay away from that? And they said, no, you know, we, you know, you'd be okay doing that. And, but the way I read it from people I've talked about. So, you know, Matthew Judon got the big contract, came over. Bill Belichick has given him a lot of leeway, especially he did early on in the season, like, Hey, you know, basically leaving him alone to his own devices. And largely he played within the structure of the scheme. I didn't have a whole lot of problems and he was great. And Bill kind of left him alone. And, and, you know, when he did make mistakes, he, he wouldn't, um, you know, kind of, you know, left him to his own devices, but now it's gotten worse. And I don't know if Bill can get him to buy back in. He just doesn't. Judon looks like a guy who is not buying into the scheme who seems frustrated in his role or lack of production and is sort of doing his own thing. And it's, it's leaving guys out to dry all over the place, uh, especially against mobile quarterbacks. And look, I'm not going to tell you right now that it's, it's over with. He's got no shot against the bills. He's going to be bad. Uh, It could happen. If he's bad, they're going to get wiped off the, the, the field. But if Bill can get him to buy back in and do his job again, they have a chance. He's just Bill's going to have to do some major work there because it, Judon has become a liability on this defense, and and I, I could not have imagined myself saying that say five or six weeks ago. Yeah, and, and you asked the question about the Colts game. So he played in ninety percent, ninety percent of the defensive snaps. He had five total tackles in the game. Uh, but to your point, no sacks over the final four games. I, I hope this is mendable. It's year one of a four-year contract. They gave this guy a lot. And just big picture, too, it, he's supposed to be that next wave of veterans he, when the high towers. He has to be. He has to be. Uh, Brennan, no he, 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 and he has to be a playmaker for this team, especially if Barmore's out. And, and yeah. look, there were reports that, oh, you know, wasn't that serious, blah, blah, blah. But for a guy to get carted off the field and not be able to put pressure on his knee, I have a hard time seeing him – you know, even playing on Saturday night, even if he does play, how is he going to be the same Christian Barmore? Basically, this this defense was living off of Matthew Judon on the edge and Christian Barmore generating pressure. Those two guys didn't have to scheme it up, didn't have to worry about coverage. That's all evaporated, especially if Barmore's down now. Judon, I was just looking at these. These are his PFF stats. Okay. Uh, you know, I have my own stats, but just quickly looking at theirs. Uh, the Chargers game, he had a, 10 total pressures. So he had, from the Chargers game through the Bills, so before the bye, he had 18, 23, 26, 30. He had 30 pressures himself in those six games. 30. Wow. He averaged five pressures a game. In the last four games, he has four total pressures in the last four games. Something is wrong and broken with Matthew Judon. And if that doesn't get fixed, they have no shot on Saturday night. You want to get to the fourth and one decision from the other day as well? Um, <laughs> you got a thought on that? Yeah, I um, watching it back last night, I yeah. was getting more mad just looking <laughs> at it. It reminded me it was just so dumb. Now, I have heard, I've been told, Brendan, that the plan was – the Patriots were going to try to drive them off sides. And then if it didn't work, they were going to call a timeout and go for it. Which, okay, I'm okay with that. But 
Bill Belichick was really going to burn his final time out trying to draw a team off sides on fourth and six inches or eight inches, whatever it was. That strikes me as odd and not a very wise decision. And remember, that whole play came after a lengthy discussion looking at the film of the spot of the football. So the Patriots had plenty of time to discuss what they're going to do, what's our strategy, how are we going to do things. And they come out of the timeout, the officials' timeout, and do that. Why not just go for it? Just go for it regular. First of all, they're one of the best teams in third and fourth and, and short. Um, what are you afraid of? So let's say, let's say worst case scenario, they go for it, they don't get it. The Dolphins had the ball at midfield. They are up 17 to 7 at that point. Okay, first of all, the Dolphins are deathly afraid of Tua at this point. They don't want him to do anything. Um, So the chances of them getting a field goal, I say, aren't great. But let's say they get a field goal. Big freaking whoop-de-doo. It's 17-7. to You're down down two scores. If they kick a field goal, it's 20-7. to You're still down 13 points. You're down two scores. So the Dolphins are not scoring a touchdown there. They're not. Two is not airing the ball downfield. He they had two plays over twenty yards the whole freaking game, and one was probably by Tua running the ball. And so I thought they had much more to gain by going for it. They're not a whole lot to lose. You get it. You at least get a field goal. It's seventeen to ten. You get the ball to start the uh, the, the second half. You get a touchdown. It's your bad starts all over. It's zero zero. What have you? They ended up getting a field goal, but to me. There was much more to gain there, not much to lose. And I thought it was just another example like the Tampa Bay game and other games where Belichick is just, for some reason, he's coaching scared. I don't know if it's Mac Jones. I don't know if it's the offense in general. Whatever it is, I didn't like it. I haven't liked a lot of those decisions. Um, Give the team some confidence. You know, go for it. What do you have to lose? I mean, it's a difference in one seed. There's nothing on the line. What's to lose? Just go for it. Right, and at that point in the game, you're not scoreboard monitoring Buffalo and the Jets, which, by the way, was a, a field goal game yep. at one point, too. Mm-hmm. Made you, it made you, made you think, like, oh, maybe there is a chance at the division. But as it turns out, Buffalo pulled ahead. Um, before we get to three up, three down, you want to give one last thought on Mac Jones and his assessment? I think this kind of ties into what you just talked about, confidence. And, man, after that fourth and one call, I mean, you can see the reaction on his face, body language, not great. Yeah, I um I didn't I didn't think Mac played very, very well at all in this game. I mean, he played well late when the uh when the Dolphins were basically in very soft coverage, a lot of cover 4, a lot of zone. Mm-hmm. Uh he's fine with that. But otherwise before that, I think I think before the final drive, let's see, before so he had the uh so when he threw that sideline pass to Jacoby Myers, and he had two of those. Jacoby Myers and Hunter Henry, great passes. A little flat, uh, you know, I, those were tough catches. I'd like to see a little bit more air under those balls. But to that point, when he hit Jacoby Myers down the sideline, I had him for three-plus plays in the game, and I had him for eight minus plays in the game. He had the interception, which was terrible. The fumble, I put it on him at the 22-yard line. These are things that just can't happen. He did not look – he looked uncomfortable almost the entire game to me. I didn't like some of his decisions, his decisions – each week have been more and more questionable decisions in my mind. Um, he, he's just not playing very good ball at this point. And uh, 
you know, I don't, I don't like him. I don't like where he is. I think he needs to get to the off season now. I think he is who he is at this point. They're just trying to hold on. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was just not a good way for him to finish. Craig, I don't think enough is made of the fact that he went on a national title run with Alabama got drafted and went right into rookie camp. Like he hasn't had a break here. Yep. And the, the the narrative around November when folks were thinking, can Mac Jones make it through a whole season? Well, yes, he's playing like he's the listed starter, but the play itself I think is now reflecting. He's played a lot. He's just been part of a lot of football here the last almost year and a half now, right? Like that, that's starting to become a factor. Yeah, I, it, it is. It's been a very long season, and I brought this up, um, you know, sort of about like week 10 or week 11, that basically you include the preseason, plus on top of that, that he was in a QB competition the whole time, and he no break. They didn't have a bye week yet or anything like that, didn't have Thursday night football. That's a lot. It's a lot. And now he's at – he's going to be playing 18 games in 19 weeks, and actually you include the – the preseason when he played a lot, that's going to be 21 games in basically 22 weeks. That's a lot of football and that's a lot of mental stress. Uh, you know, I think he has had his fill. I think at this point I have a tough time seeing them going on a run just in general. And, but you know, I do think largely it's been a successful rookie campaign sure. for him. I think he's going to learn a lot. I think he's done a good job in just sort of the starter starter packet of this offense, and there's much more that they can do and they will do going forward. It's tough to see him sort of slide here at the end of the season, but like you said, it's not it's not a surprise. It doesn't mean anything in, in my mind in terms of his future and what he can do here. It's just this is why rookie quarterbacks don't go to the Super Bowl. And it's just, it's very, very hard. It's even more difficult now with the schedule. Or to the postseason, right? I mean, I know folks can make the argument that there are other younger quarterbacks that are flourishing just fine. But again, he was in the national title game. And since that, since that game, it's been nonstop for the kid. Um, Do you want to get to your three up, three down? I'm not sure which order you you prefer to go in. I'm I'm guessing Mac Jones might be in your list of downs because (laughs) eight eight minus plays is, is a lot. Yeah, it is a lot for him. But first, I am going to tell you about betonline.ag. BetOnline would like to wish you a happy new year, new betting year, as we continue our march to the playoffs and beyond. Uh, Can't wait to bet that slate of football. You got, what, three games on Saturday, three on Sunday, one on Monday? Three Sunday, one Monday. There you go. Uh, BetOnline remains the number one spot for all the sports wagering action for 2022 new year and new updated desktop and mobile website to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code CLNS 50 to get started. That's CLNS five zero to get started from football, basketball, hockey, go Bruins, boxing and UFC right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for 2022, but online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your sports bet online where the game starts. So three up three down. Uh, Let's start with the ups. I thought that 
I thought that Brandon Bolden had a very strong game. I mean, he had the two touchdowns. He did it running. He did it passing. Um, he contributes on special teams too. Uh, I just think, I just think he had a really, uh, a really strong game and the Patriots are going to need more of it. I was actually speaking of that. I was surprised that Ramondre Stevenson watching back the game. I was surprised he came back. I didn't realize how hard he got hit by a Landon Roberts and he basically, you know, went straight down, but, uh, you know, I don't get paid the big bucks. So I, I don't just, understand. Also, just a note on Bolden. I think folks, I think it's, it's worthy of just mentioning here. Is he just a really damn good football player? Because Greg, like, I'm sure you hear this mm-hmm. from fans all the time, but what he's done this year offensively is something that we haven't seen in his, his time as a Patriot, even when he was in Miami for a couple cup of coffee. Like, did you ever envision a kind of year Brandon Bolden has put together offensively? No, but I've, I've always, I've always liked Bolden. Um, you know, okay. certainly early on in the season, it looked like he kind of had lead in his legs and he did have the year off. So it took him a while to get going. But since then he's been, I mean, he's even shown, shown surprising burst, um, right. you know, in these games. So yeah, I think he's done. Uh, I think he's done a really nice job. Number two for me after the game, I had Hunter Henry Brennan, but I, you know, and I do think he had a decent game. I did not like his run blocking in this game. I, I don't know if there's something going on with Johnny Smith, either injury or they just are reducing his role, but they use Hunter Henry to block a lot more. And that was not great for him. So I went with Jacoby Myers. I thought, you know, the, the couple big catches, he's one of the only reliable guys along with Henry that they have uh, on offense. And so uh, I liked what Myers did there. And I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go Ted Karras on the, on the offensive line. I had him for a clean sheet. I thought he had a really uh, good game. Okay. No one from the defense, huh? So that, that, that just comes to show what we talked about earlier in this, in this show today, that you are just not a, uh... You're not a fan of what's been going on here. I'm getting the sense that we might hear some defensive guys here in the in the three down. Yeah, well, we'll start with Mac Jones. I just didn't. Okay. You can't turn the ball over like that. The first play, first throw of the game, and then a fumble in the red zone, inexcusable. He had his moments, but like I said earlier, his decision making. I'm having you know more and more issues with. Um, so uh, Mac Jones was uh, number one down for me. Uh, Number two down uh, to me was Dietrich Wise. I don't remember him doing anything in the game. This is a guy who plays 45 snaps. Like, you know, what are we doing? He had a couple pressures, but they were sort of late in the down. And, uh, you know, not a big deal. And uh, I'm going to go Judon as well. I don't, you know, he's, he's, not, he's not doing his job. He, this team is paying him a lot of money, a lot of money. And they need him to make game-saving plays. That's what he's paid to do, and he has not done that over the last month, and he looks lost to me. All right, that's three up, three down. Good stuff. So now we turn our attention to the Buffalo Bills, and and more so just this game this weekend. We've done plenty of talk about just the the state of the Patriots and where we're at through an 18-week regular season. Buffalo rips off four straight wins to end the year after losing to New England at home. Then they lose in – Thrilling but uh, disappointing fashion on their side in Tampa, a game we felt that could be a, a bounce-back spot. They lose in overtime to Brady. Am I crazy to think that looking ahead and looking at the state of Buffalo, now that you've seen them twice, and I know you, you focus on, on the Patriots' opponents, 
most specifically, mm-hmm. but you've seen Buffalo twice now, Greg. Um, could you make the case that this team, though, too, is is kind of like New England in the sense that they've got a formula and they can be disrupted at any given week? Yeah, no, I totally agree. I mean, this is a team that looked like uh, they looked terrific against the the Patriots here at Gillette in a big game, basically the AFC East championship game. And the Patriots could not get the Bills to even punt in the game. Yep. And I thought the offense struggled. I think the Bills defense is pretty good. Um, you know, but you look at the Bills and you're like, okay, I made the case, Brendan, and and – you know, this will be sort of this will determine the game, in my opinion. And we'll talk much more in depth about the Bills matchup later. But just in general, my first sort of glance at this matchup. So everyone knows how I feel about Josh Allen. I am. I don't think he's an elite quarterback. I think he's a good quarterback. I think he plays. He has elite. He's he has elite talent. I don't think he's put it all together yet. And he makes mistakes in every game, even the Patriots game here. JC Jackson catches that interception. It's a typical Josh Allen game and the Patriots win. Uh, JC Jackson dropped it. Now everyone looked at that game and said, all right, well, it's Josh Allen's crowning achievement. Couldn't get him off the field, blah, blah, blah. My, he was good. He was very good in that game. He made about four or five plays that you just have no defense for. And, but he does that all the time. That's not unusual for him. I made the case, Brendan, after watching the film that, I thought the Patriots were just terrible. I thought their rush di- discipline was horrible in a game where they knew they needed to have good rush discipline. That includes Matt Judon, includes Devon Godchow, includes Barmore, like just guys going wherever, running by Josh Allen, and he runs around and flipping balls out and making plays. That just can't happen. And then the the, the coverage was just soft. They're in zone. The, the Bills basically were like, oh, we're just they're going to have Dante Hightower and Ju- Juwan Bentley in in coverage as inside linebackers. If you don't have anything, just dump it down. We'll get 9 yards all the time. Those guys can't run. Those guys can't hit. So, in that game against the Patriots, Josh Allen completed 64% of his passes, 314 yards, three touchdowns, had a 104.4 rating. In the three games since, okay? They played the Panthers, the Falcons, the Jets. We're talking about three horrendous teams at this point. Teams that are combined 16 and 35. You know what his stat line is, Brendan, in those three no, games? Tell me. Just to, just to prove my point that the Patri- it was more about the Patriots than Josh Allen in that game, 51.4% completion percentage, five touchdowns, four interceptions, 67.5 rating. So who's the outlier here? Is it Josh Allen and three? He throws three interceptions at home against the Falcons, keep him in it, has to, you know, completed like, I don't know, like 50% of his passes against the Jets. That game was a game for a while. So if the Patriots play better on defense, and I think that they will, if they can get Matthew Judon to buy in and do his job, mm-hmm. then I think they have a, they certainly have a puncher's chance. And I still think going more to the ground, beating the Bills that way, is the way to go. Like, cause if they try to get into a passing game, I don't, I don't, you know, the bills have too many guys in covers Their safeties are really good. Their linebackers can run uh, too much can go wrong. Uh, but I do think, I think the Patriots have a puncher's chance. It's just, can anybody tell me what the buy-in level is going to be with the defense? Cause it was not anywhere close to good enough in the first matchup. 
Offensively, though, do you think it's any different in terms of the Patriots defending the Bills now that they'll have Gabriel Davis back, Beasley's back? Mm. And I'm just thinking back to those games when they yep. played the Patriots. They didn't see either of those two players in the two meetings. So the game in in Foxborough and the game in Buffalo, uh, the windstorm game. I don't think it's a huge difference. I mean, Beasley gives them an outlet. Uh, Davis, you know, uh, you know, they basically had guys playing their role. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie, I thought another big thing that I would look for in this game to see if the Patriots learned anything about the last matchup. They were just not physical at all with the receivers. They just let them run wherever they wanted to. Isaiah McKenzie runs right across Miles Bryant across the field and with no pass rush or pass rush was good, not good enough. I had them for 21% pressure in that game. Other people said 40 or 50%. It wasn't real pressure to me. Real pressure was 21%. That's not good enough. When you do that to Josh Allen, he has all day. He's going to make plays. So be physical with the guys at the line of scrimmage. Reroute them. Have a better rush plan against Josh Allen. I'm not too worried about the weapons themselves. I'm not scared of Gabriel Davis. I'm not scared of Cole Beasley. The Bills, regardless, have plenty of options against this Patriots team. You just wonder, can the Patriots play man-to-man, effective man-to-man if they need to against the Bills? And I have my doubts about that. All right, so Greg's game pick and more analysis will come later in the week on bostonsportsjournal.com. So keep it locked there to figure out or find out what Greg will go with. Uh, I did I did drop a couple of questions for you, Greg, as it relates to the okay. Patriots and also some league questions. So these first two are New England-related. Uh, the first yep. one, I guess, is um, it could hint at what you might give for a game pick in the game. So if, if you can't answer it, I get it. But Patriots score 14 on the road in Buffalo to win the first time. Then they only score 21 in the second time around. How many points are necessary for the Patriots to win this game, to be in this game? Ooh, good, good question. In those conditions, I could see it being low scoring overall. I think I'm going to go with the Patriots need to put up at least 24 points to win the game. Somewhere right. between 24 or 27, somewhere in there to win that game up there. Second question. This is a talking point, big picture thought from the season, and it's going to be one you'll probably hear um, really up until this game comes and probably after this game on Saturday, whether or not they win the game or not. Do you consider the 2021-22 season a successful season for the New England Patriots? It depends how it ends in Buffalo. Um, At this (laughs) point, at this point, without another game, it's success. It, it, sure, it's successful, but I would label it as disappointing the way they have finished. You know, one win down here, down the stretch against Indy or Buffalo or even this game mm-hmm. where, you know, better starts. Look, you know, we talked about their starts earlier. I didn't even give out the stat. In those three games that they've lost, they've fallen behind combined. 57 to seven. How could anybody be not disappointed at that? I mean, that's just coming out in the biggest games of the year. Some of the most competitive games of the year, and you're just not ready to answer the bell. How does that even happen? So if they go to Buffalo and get wiped off the field, then I, I, I reserve the right Brendan to say that this was not a success at that would be 10 and eight for them. Last year, they finished seven and nine with less talent, certainly less free agent additions, Cam Newton at quarterback. Right. 
10 and 8 would not 10 and 8 with a with with basically not being in the game in Buffalo would not be good enough for me. Very open-ended question, I realize, too. And you can factor in, can they win in different ways? Which is why I'm, I'm curious what it looks like in Buffalo on Saturday. Because if they do somehow pull out a come-from-behind win, then they get some credit for that, right? But if they yep. they can also get up early, and that's the formula they've needed. So it makes you, makes you wonder. Uh, question three is a lead question. Um, the firing of Brian Flores, what was your immediate reaction to when you saw this news? Surprise. Yeah, it was surprise. I mean, I know, and I've talked about it for the past year that I've heard um, that some of the players in Miami have not liked the Brian Flores experience. I mean, I don't have any tangible, you know, evidence to give you. I've just heard that. And I know some of the guys, you know, whether it's Kyle Van Noy or Ted Karras, guys who have come back to the Patriots. I haven't talked to them directly about this, but I have heard that they've, you know, generally, I, I think Kyle was okay with it. I think he was, he, he didn't like the ending that basically, you know, Flores, Flores has been a tough person to trust for some of the players. Kyle Van Noy signs to go down there. All of a sudden he, he has a good year. He does exactly what he does here and he gets cut. Right. Uh, and you know, Ted Karras goes down there. He did not have a good experience down there. Um, you know, but I thought Brian Flores was doing a good job. I think they just didn't have the quarterback or they hadn't solved that yet. Um, maybe it was the start of the season that doomed him, but I think he's a good coach. I thought that was a little bit early for him. I would have liked to have seen him be the Patriots defensive coordinator for a couple more years. I do not like Steven Ross as an owner. Uh, I, w- I wondered about that, uh, but I think he's a good coach. I don't care that he's he's tough and direct and to the point. I like that. I'm like that. And, uh, you know, I thought it was a bit unfair, but, you know, you run the risk of that when you get off to really poor starts. When you start seasons like one and seven, uh, a lot of people start asking questions and, and uh, you know, and, and that's, that's fair for them to do. Right. And you, maybe the power struggle with Chris Greer was, is also a big element yep. this as well. And, Tua versus Herbert at the draft. That's fascinating. So to tie into that question, my fourth question for you is, because I think folks care about Brian Flores, and he's he's the biggest name out there. What's next for him? Does he does he wait for a bit? Does he go take the Raiders job? Does he go to Houston to help lure Deshaun Watson back, which I heard Watson's out regardless. Um, what do you think? What's next for Brian, Brian Flores? Yeah, I I, um, I I heard he's a somebody – he's a candidate. He's going to interview for one of the jobs. I think it's Chicago, I think, oh, or okay. Denver. I don't know, one of the jobs. Uh, that's a report today. Uh, you know, if he's offered a job, I think he'll take it. Um, do I think he'll be offered a job this cycle? Probably not. If I were him – I would take the year and I'm sure he has more money left on his contract. So that's not an issue. I would take the year or take, at least take a break to, you know, reassess and learn lessons uh, about, you know, why the dolphins and his tenure uh, weren't more successful. I think that, I think that he would be a good fit in Houston. Uh, I don't know how he feels about Jack Easterby. A lot of those guys really like him, but I'm sure Flores has a good, rapport with Casario and that's that's the that's ultimately what his downfall there was is that when you when you come from the Patriots system and you have you're used to a certain way of things getting done you know you want 
you want your personnel department to see the game the same way as you. And, you know, while Greer, I think, was here at some point, certainly his dad was, Greer was here at some point, not exactly uh, a perfect fit in terms of what Flores wants and what Greer wants. You know, you put a Patriots person in in Houston, there's a lot of synergy between Casario and that head coach. So that makes it things work better. So I personally, if he does coach right away, I would really like him in Houston because I think that would really fit. And maybe he's the type of guy that can solve the rift between the Texans and Deshaun Watson. Greer was an intern for the Patriots in 94 and then a scout from 95 to 99. Yeah. Well, yeah, before Belichick, though. So, well, I right. mean, he was there for Parcells. So, somewhat, there's somewhat carryover, but not a ton. Yep. All right. My final question for you, Greg, is related to the field. And uh, I know you've got some some roots with covering the Packers. So the Packers are the favorite to win the, to win the whole thing. Would you take green Bay or the field to win it all to win it all? I think I would take the field. I think, uh, you know, the Packers, they have some issues on special teams on defense. Um, you know, I, I think they're a little, yeah, they are. I don't know. I've just, I, for some reason, the Packers always find a way to choke things. And, you know, I got to tell you, my dark horse favorite, and I got to bet this over at betonline.ag. I actually want to bet the matchup. Uh, Titans versus the Packers in the Super Bowl. I think people are sleeping on the Titans. They get Derrick Henry back. That defense, Vrabel, you get Henry, that offensive line. You get, you have A.J. Brown back. You get Julio Jones I think that's the, that's the type of team that, and with the running game, they can travel anywhere and they're going to be hosting everything. They have home field advantage. If the Patriots win, they'll be hosting the Patriots. Unless for some reason, the Steelers pull off the upset against Kansas city. That ain't happening, but you know, I like the Titans. I think that I, I, so I feel very strongly about the Titans. I'm not a big Ryan Tannehill guy, but I just think the whole of that team, I think they're going to be a very tough out for somebody, and they're the type of team that can run through the Packers. All right, before we wrap up this edition of the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast, we get to our bostonsportsjournal.com member question of the day. Be sure to check us out over at BSJ. $39.99 on our annual plan. Not only do you get top-notch analysis of all the Boston pro sports teams, but if you're a Patriots junkie and you're listening to this podcast, you are. Then a membership at BSJ gives you access to a ton of video analysis that – Bedard does uh, on the coach's film and then direct access to uh, to Greg and weekly chat. So Mike and Stoneham asks, and we just brought up Brian Flores. I purposely wanted to not include that in the five so we could get <laughs> to this because it's a it's a it's a popular talking point amongst people yep. this week. Yeah. Uh, Flores gets yeah. fired uh, this. Yeah. Right. This week. Yeah. Let's bring him back for the Bills game. Can is it possible for Brian Flores Possible? Do you think it's actually uh, actually possible for Brian Flores to come back as a consultant for the Patriots this week as they get ready for the Bills? Yeah, let's add Flores to the mix. He can be the DC and call plays for Miami. Yeah, it's, uh, it's really hard to not do that voice because I I know just close your eyes and you're like that is what exactly a Patriots fan would sound like. <laughs> I know uh, a couple of different things here. Okay. Uh, I think, first of all, you have to take into context that this is Brian Flores just probably just got the carpet ripped out from under him um, in terms of, yeah. the, you know, being fired out of nowhere. 
he has a family that I'm sure, you know, and, and football coaches are very busy during the season. I'm sure he's just trying to assess what's going on. Like we said, somebody's requested to talk to him about a, a co- one of the coach openings. He's probably going to get a, a couple more requests on that. He's probably more focused on that uh, and more sort of just taking a breather, figuring out what went wrong. I think it's much more likely that, say, Bill called him and, you know, said like, hey, sorry about what happened. You didn't deserve that. You beat me three out of the last four times. You swept my ass this year. Like, you know, you're a good coach, that sort of thing. And be like, hey, I was just watching film and I saw you did X, Y, and Z against Josh Allen. Like, hey, you know, hey, if you have any thoughts on, you know, send me your thoughts. And he might, Flores at this point might send Bill like, hey, this was our plan for the week. You know, if you want to take a look at it, you know, something along those lines. Like, But as far as Brian Flores getting on a plane, schlubbing into one Patriot place and joining the coaching staff and, like, saying, I'm in charge here now and taking over for Steve Belichick and Mayo and Matt Patricia and all these guys, yeah, that's not happening. I mean, is he going to – could he give the Patriots some tips? Yeah. Is it going to help? No. Does he have the key to getting Matthew Judon to play his ass off in this game and do his job and not run by Josh Allen 15 times? If he has that, then great. He can help. Otherwise, it's not a big help. Yeah, Buffalo beat them uh, twice this year at Miami, 35-0 week two, and then uh, also earlier in the year, 26-11. The the way you just painted that picture – go ahead, sorry. (laughs) Okay, second thought. Don't want your game plans. Yeah, yeah. Well, the way you just painted that picture also is like, is like Larry David just being like, oh, I'm so sorry for you. And then, hey, quick quick question for you. Hey, Bill. It would be so Bill, huh? Hey, really sorry about what happened to you. Yeah, you're a good coach. Quick, by the way, quick question. Um, the Bills. Yeah, maybe maybe that wouldn't be so helpful. Um, okay. I think that's going to wrap it up for this version of the uh, Greg Bedard Patriots podcast. Uh, good to be with you, Greg. And We'll see what happens. I know you're going to have more this week on BSJ and bostonsportsjournal.com prediction for the game. And it's only going to build as the week goes on. Yeah. Brendan, thanks so much for pinch hit. And I enjoyed it. Hope you have fun and uh, we'll have you back probably later in the week. And then we'll figure out, um, you know, if, if uh, Nick Cattles is, uh, is on the map anymore or what his deal is, but I uh, uh, hope you had fun. Thanks buddy. And uh We'll see everybody later in the week, Thursday or Friday, with the Greg Bedard Patriots podcast uh, brought to you by Bet Online.